I think it is key for everybody to talk to potential customers as soon as possible and figure out if anybody wants to use this. At the early stage is this three-legged stool, team, dream, and then early signs of traction. A lot of people skip product market fit. How can you skip product market fit? You should be spending half your time and go to market. Very often the idea, as is very common in, in software engineers, of like, we're going to engineer this perfectly and so the company will succeed. I think there's this delusion that engineers have. Uh, if we build something great, people will figure out it's great. If you're doing it because you like doing it, but you secretly dream of you know the time that's going to be number one on Hacker News and the millions of dollars that you're going to get, then I think you need to be honest with yourself that you're not just building it for yourself. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of CircleCI. I'm Edith Harba, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by Heavybit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. So Paul and I were down in New Orleans to be part of a DevOps panel at Collision Conference. And as part of it, we both mentored startups. Mm -hmm. So Paul, do you want to talk about some of your experiences down there? Well, I guess the first experience is that if you're going to do four hours of mentoring startups in a row, you're going to get a little bit tired. Yeah, we were supposed to go to dinner and you totally bailed on this lovely paddle wheeler in the Mississippi. Oh yeah, I was, I was dead to the world. Yeah. Um, and so so all, the, all the companies that I end up talking to at, uh, I, I did this at Web Summit as well, and we, we both did this at Web Summit, and every company that comes along kind of in the early stage is like, how do we raise money? And the answer is, to me, always, have you got product market fit? I actually disagree. I okay. think I think if you're in an early in a seed stage or even an angel, like product market fit might be asking far too much. Yes, but I, I guess it's maybe it's not product market fit, but it's like, are you on the road to product market fit? I, do do you know that product market fit is the thing that you are searching for? Yeah. So I I, I went through Alchemist Accelerator. Now I mentor a lot of the startups mm-hmm. uh, in later classes, and I at the early stage is this three legged stool. Mm-hmm. Team. Yeah. Like, do you have a good team? Yeah. I think dream. I know where you're going with this. Dream. A dream. Okay. Like, is is this something that is a big market that is interesting? Yeah. That is a vision, and then early signs of traction. Mm-hmm. Right. And they all three go together. Yeah. Like, if if you're doing a market that a dream that you know you're not the right team for, that falls flat. Mm-hmm. And if you have an awesome team, you don't need so much traction. So yes and no, and in fact, I, I see a lot of people getting into trouble with the team stuff. That they're like a couple of ex-Googlers who are gonna, you know, find it very easy to raise money. Oh yeah. Um, and then they have a dream that's amazing, and then no, no real idea of of how you do that. Or very often, the the, the idea, as is very common in, in software engineers, of like we're going to engineer this perfectly, and so the company will succeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying so much for long-term success. I'm saying for mm. raising money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what investors sure, look sure, for. Sure. Like, I know so, some some ex-Twitter people who raised God, it was a lot of money, right? Because they were ex-Twitter. Well, I mean, you, you wrote that article about oh, what was that company called with the guy who had a previous exit and he raised twenty-five million? Famous, famous, famous. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you know, the, the the idea there was 
as I understood, we're, we're going to do something new, and and you know we're going to build the whole thing, and then and then there's there's no iteration, and there's no there's no product market fit, and I think they've pivoted and laid off the team, and, and that sort of thing, which which I regard as as the sort of punishment that you get for not chasing product market fit at the very very start. So I think we actually agree. I think you oh need yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're definitely uh, going to agree on this. Well, I think you need to chase product market fit, but I think in the early days to have product market fit is asking far too much of an infant startup. So the the key is is validation. Yeah. So product product market fit is like the the grand validation, and the road until that point is is validate, iterate, and and repeat. Iterate early, iterate often. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Jesse Robbins, who's CEO of uh, Orion Labs, is an advisor to Circle. Oh, cool. And the way that he put it, I think I think we were talking around like Series A, is the seed stage is to get product market fit. The next thing is to prove out your traction. And that's typically it lines up with the A, and then the B and later is is to scale that. And by the way, Paul, congratulations as Circle CI just raised a pretty whopper Series B. No, oh, thank you, thank you. You you can you can date the actual recording of this podcast by the fact that you just said that. <laughs> well, so so maybe, our attempt maybe. at having some slight evergreen content. Maybe I I knew before you announced it. Oh, that that, that would be impressive. Maybe so I'll... yeah, yeah, we, we 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 just raised our our eighteen million Series B, which firmly places us in the now we are scaling camp, having achieved our, our traction and before that having achieved our product market fit. Yeah, well, we're we're uh, uh, Paul always talks about how he uses LaunchDarkly, but LaunchDarkly is a Circle CI customer, so we're we're pretty happy about it too. So a lot of people skip product market fit. How can you skip product market fit? Well. You can, for example, launch at uh, South by Southwest, or you can have a really big day on Product Hunt, uh, and you can get like tons and tons of traction, and not actually get product market fit. And so, uh, a, c- a couple of companies that have done that secret is a is a good mm. example. They got a whole lot of hype and and stuff, and then but ne- never product market fit. I disagree on that one. I you th- don't think they had product? You think they had product market? Fit? I think they had product market fit. I just. I no, think, they 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 had they had signs of potential product market fit. I, I think maybe we're arguing a definition because secret. I think all apps like that kind of ride the cycle of popularity and then the trough of disillusionment. So if you have product market fit, generally, so long, you know, so long as the market is is big enough, I think you have no problem scaling. Yeah. Or I think you've, you've no problem growing. So you can skip product market fit if your growth is based on an ex- external factor that isn't that isn't product market fit. So it's not the product is perfect. It's Ashton Kutcher tweets about it, or or secret. You know, there's a lot of juicy gossip on on this thing, or there's another company that I don't want to mention because it went a bit of a disaster. But they they raised a lot of money after a TechCrunch disruptor or, or, or something along those lines. Got tons and tons of users and survived about three years on it before realizing that they never had product market fit and laid off three quarters of their company. Who was it? I, I don't want to say who it was. What kind of what industry? Uh, it was in the tech industry. Uh, what sort of product do they have? Well, so I've I've already obscured all uh, a, a, every, every fact that I've said so far is is actually less a slightly different uh, to to the truth here. Uh, uh, I've used boy. this example before. I've got uh, I've got sixteen questions left. Right. Well, uh, you'll probably find sixteen different companies that that, that fit the the criteria. Well, so my my point is though that 
you can get traction without product market fit. And companies that do that, and and this you know, famous was was kind of like that that they they skipped their product market fit and went went straight to the twenty five million raise. What was that air airwave? Um, the yeah, that the hits, chat roulette the, uh, replacements. Same, same diff. One of the founders was a friend of mine. I think they raised money very quickly because the team dream thing. Um, yep, yep. You know, was co-founded by Sean Parker, of course, who'd founded Napster was early at Facebook, and everybody's like, "Oh gosh, we need to get in now." So I I was doing some testing for that uh, for that company, and they had like at the time they had about twenty people, and they were testing it for scale and that sort of thing for the big launch that was coming. Yeah. No product market fit. None. Uh, the the big launch. Was going to be the thing that that like won or lost the company, and and there was no there's no evidence that people loved the product. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the saddest thing I read was there was a postmortem. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, and they're like at, at its peak, they had like four concurrent users. Oh wow! Like just something like got off. Oh, like I thought that. I thought they had, they had like thirty thousand or something. I just, maybe wow. I'm exaggerating. Okay. but I, I think that it goes back to something that Steve Blank wrote, which is don't launch. As in, don't have a launch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, g- going back Cause, to, cause, to these early mentories. Well, because when you when you launch, you lock yourself into this is our market, this is our positioning. Mm-hmm. Rather, because oh, that's interesting. Oh, so I I, I thought uh, I thought and that this was implicit that you know you don't launch because you you soft launch and grow from from validation and iteration. And it goes back because if you if you you know put all your arrows out at the same time and sticking out your ground as this is what we are, yeah. then it's very hard later to move away from that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like so, launch darkly never really did a formal launch. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so Circle didn't either. We we were we kept going for you know when are we going to launch? And eventually we we're like, why don't we just open it up? Yeah. Well, I mean, like we did a blog piece about how we'd hit a billion feature flags a day. Mm. Okay. That, that's your that's your launch. I, I guess it was, but yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't intentionally a launch. It was more like it was something to be proud of, and we put out a piece on it. We kind of like launched when we when we raised our seed round, and we we had been out in the open and you know, yeah. things for for months at that point. Uh, but like you know, we we were sitting in like the war room, bracing ourselves for the flood of customers uh, that were coming in come. from the launch. Oh my god, none came. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, yeah. I've been part of so many launches, and 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 uh, so people are always fearing the worst. They're like, oh god. You know, yeah. what if our servers crash? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. everybody fears like the story. Like Sam Stokes, who, who was a guest before, yeah. when they had this surge of traffic, then they were just overwhelmed. Yeah, what happens? Like, I'd say ten thousand times. Yeah, for every one of those, nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Um, so we, we we had I'd say double our signups that that day, and we had we had respectable signups. Now they're doubled. It's like, eh, great, it's a good day, but it wasn't. You know the, the the war room was unnecessary. So, what was your launch that you thought you needed a war room? Well, we we just thought so. I mean, it was we were in TechCrunch and RewriteWeb and and you know the usual places that we announce fundraising. And two of those stories did reasonably on Hacker News. And you know that we had a blog post which was doing okay on Hacker News as well. And it's you know there's some Twitter stuff going. So like we thought, oh, you know, there's there's going to be stuff. And I mean, you know, doubling our our sign up rate well, is no. Well, I mean, it was a small feat, but it wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't an incredibly small feat. Just, yeah, it didn't make that big of a difference. I, I think to unpack that, something interesting is um, some purchases, and I put Circle CI in that bin as what mm-hmm. I put at my own company. They have a longer buying cycle. So yes, but that, that's why we were measuring signups. Well, the, so, but I mean, even signups, like what we found, and probably the same at Circle CI, is like it'll be percolating for in a company for a couple months. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, and, and this the, is why we all use retargeting. 
Well, yeah, but I, and I, I get retargeted all the time for Circle CI. Yeah, oh, good, good, good. Um, oh. But, you know, so I'll, I'll talk to our customers who are signed up. And I'm like, how did you hear about us? I'm like, oh, we saw this hacker news piece. We saw this LinkedIn thing you did. We saw yeah. this article. Like, it's not this. Then eventually we talked to you at a conference and you installed it for us on our laptop right then. Yeah. 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 So it's, 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 it's never like. Um, I think there's this myth that you launch, and I think it does happen for consumer products, yeah. perhaps, where people are like, oh, I need to buy that today. Yeah, I think, it is sometimes. I think for a lot of products, you percolated people's yeah. consciousness for a long time as a buying decision. Yeah. There's an instructive article by Kevin Systrom, the, the Instagram founder, about how or why Instagram grew so, so quick. And it's, it's a story about the, the start of Instagram that was conspicuously absent of why Instagram grew so quick. <laughs> and I mean, I, I read it, I've read it a couple of times. It's like basically the conclusion that came to is that he didn't know. Yeah, I, th- I think with apps, it is much easier to grow very quickly. And when I say apps, I mean, let me be, let me. The mobile apps. Consumer apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I think that people who do that don't actually know why. I, I think I think there's a bit of of you know rub the lavender leaf on the cancer and it goes away sort of thing. It's like well sometimes it does, but I think you can tune far more than you think you can. I, I I buy that, but I would say that generally iterating and validating is your key to getting there. Yeah, and I th- I think oh, I'll go further out on this is that. Um, it really depends on what your product is, how much you can be an overnight success. Mm-hmm. Like even Slack, like so CC Stylesmith came and gave a talk at Heavy Bit. She's like, the first 70 iterations that's that were built on Slack, Slack built. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody now is like, oh, we're seeing the end of the adoption curve where it's the the steep upslope at the end. And we're not mm-hmm. seeing like the the groundswell yeah. for years before that. When when we have these these mentorees and, and that sort of thing, we're and we're talking to them about you know, you want to raise money, you need you need the team, you need the idea, you need you need the traction. It's it's almost a trope for people to talk about how people keep building products and hoping that people come. But I would say that in for seventy five percent of the people I talk to, that's still the goal, right? We're building we're building the product, and then people will see how wonderful it is. Yeah, I mean Thomas Tungas, he wrote a blog pretty about this. He said like you should be spending half your time and go to market. Right. That's that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, yeah and I, I think I think there's this delusion that engineers have, and I'll put myself as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we build something great, people will figure out it's great. It's like no, people won't even get past your install. Yeah. There's a wonderful story, and I don't remember where where I read it, but it was the it was the engineer who saved up tons of money to to start his own company. And when the day came, he quit his job and he went out and he he built this this wonderful product that was beautifully engineered. And then he and then he waited, waited, and and nobody came. And eventually, after uh, after a bunch of time, he realized that he didn't have what it took, and he. You know, shut down the thing and went and go get a job. And every day was kind of the same as it was before, but just a little bit sadder. I need to have a moment, Paul. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I read this yeah, well, much before I started startups, and it was like, that's the depressing thing that you want to avoid. Well, that, that's why I became a product manager. I mean, I was tired of building stuff that nobody used. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that's then why I became a marketing person. So it's like we built right. this cool thing. If nobody knows about it, it doesn't exist. Yep, yep. So next, you're going into sales. C- I, complete the transition to the dark I, side. I, I already. I mean, 
It's funny. I remember. Um, I am a salesperson. I yeah. mean, every, every CEO is salesperson number one. Right. Like you're the number one person you're selling is yourself. That this is worth doing. Mm-hmm. Then you're selling your co-founder that they need should quit their stable jobs and come join you on this yep. mission. Then you're selling to customers. Yeah. And then you're selling to investors. Then you're selling to your employees. And for for each one of these, there's a traction component, or the, 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 there's a there's a product market fit component. And any any time that you try to focus on making that happen, without there being sort of a successive levels of product market fit. So, for example, the, the, there's this company that hired a bunch of people that I thought were really impressive. And so they, they, they were roughly in the, in the competitive space with us uh, and they hired three people who I thought were just awesome. And I was like, holy shit, like the, you know, look at the people that, 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 that they're able to hire. And three months later they'd all quit. Wow. And the, the back story uh, was that the founder was a complete asshole. Oh. And I mean, this, this is the product market fit for, for, the, for the recruiting pipeline, right? You, you, you need to have a culture that makes people want to stay. Yeah. Um, and so you can you can get as many people in the front door as you like. You can do all the marketing you like, but if there isn't product market fit on on you know, well, th- th- this is em- employee employee churn, employee culture fit retention. Yeah, yeah. And then and then people just like fall out the other end. S- same same as in your product. Same as same as when you're trying to sell. Same as when you're trying to market. Yeah, I think that's maybe other founders are smarter than me, but it was kind of this aha moment for me. So mm-hmm. I remember I remember when I was a younger engineer, I was sat on a meeting once and a vendor came and pitched us and it was one of those awkward meetings where they're really pitching us. And I remember they walked down and I turned to my coworker, the young engineer I was, I'm like, I'm really happy that I'm not in sales. <laughs> and that moment has come back to me so many times when I'm walking up to some prospect's office, mm-hmm. I'm checking in, I'm going into their Room to set up my laptop to do a demo, and I'm just like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, you probably you probably learned from that, and you probably like have have done it in a in a much better way that isn't going to be so insulting to the engineers or whatever that was. Oh, that was just a realization. I was like, I, I believed in the company that John, my co-founder, and I were building. I was like, shit, I got to go do sales. Yeah. This is my job. So uh, sales is one of the the validation techniques. Jessica Livingston, the YC founder, or the founder of Y Combinator, had an article in the Wall Street Journal about this, and it's like founders need to market less and sell more. Interesting. I don't think I read it. Tell me. So basically, the idea is that when you're pre-product market fit, a lot a lot of founders are looking to do marketing, or they they try to bring you know thousands or hundreds of people leads in the door, and they try to do self-service. But that at the very very early stage. When you're validating, the thing that that helps you validate is sales, not marketing. You can't see, you know, from the analytics whether or not the product, whether or not your what you need to do to iterate your product. You can only do that by by trying to sell, or I mean, selling as a proxy for talking to your customers. Yeah, it's funny you say that because YC has this rep, and maybe it's undeserved, of wanting everything to be purely marketing because they don't want salespeople because they don't like talking to people. I think I think that's one of those things that's demonstrably untrue. Thinking of YC companies that are heavy on sales, like Optimizely, uh, for for example, I I would say that that certainly the, they have a very strong focus on product market fit, and the most successful YC companies have had this incredibly strong product market fit. And I'm thinking like Heroku and Stripe here, and. When you have that strong product market fit, sales isn't really that important. But what they do have, and, and Stripe is a really good example here, because the, the founders of Stripe went out at the very start, and they they sold, and they, they might not have called it sales; they might have called it validating. But like they literally went to their customer's house, and John and Patrick installed 
dev payments, as it was called then, in the software. Yeah, I mean, I, I sold. I mean, I remember when when Circle CI was considering using us, uh, we went over to your office. Yeah, right. Right. Like, it's funny because uh, in hindsight, it's like we went over to your office, and it was just like, okay, you guys are legit. Yeah. Nobody even like looked at the product. It was just we're taking a bet on this risky startup. Yeah. yeah. We want to vet you. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean. Probably don't need to defend Y Combinator too much here, but the uh, Paul Graham says do things that don't scale. Yeah, and I mean, so at at the very start, the the thing that doesn't scale is fucking validate your product. Yeah, I mean, so I feel really relieved now because I've been doing all our sales, mm-hmm. and we finally I was just like I'm buried. Yeah, I, it's all inbound. I, I was That's actually, great. I was actually telling our marketing person like to turn it down because I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. Right. We hired a full time salesperson. Yay! He is busy all day. Like he has more than yeah, enough to do, and I'm like, okay, I was doing all that and there, trying to do everything else. Like I am so happy that we have somebody who's just full time on sales now. But I would not have hired him a year ago because at the time, I needed to be out there doing it. Yeah, yeah, because you need that feedback. Yeah, I needed yeah. that feedback. I needed to be the one out there talking to people and getting the ground feedback. A, a, a lot of founders have this idea that like it's it's going to market itself and everything is going to be top no. down and or everything's going to be bottom up and it's going to be self serve and and you know we'll, we'll we'll maybe have sales later on for other stuff and it does it does depend on the situation. The company you guys are a bit more enterprisey. We're a bit more bottom up. But I, I remember the. I probably shouldn't say who the who this founder was, but um, uh, uh, someone we know and love. Uh, uh, you know, I'm guessing the, already. Yeah. So at one of the heavy bit dinners, one of the uh, heavy bit advisors stood up and said, "We'd like to take this moment to uh, recognize this person who has finally succumbed to having salespeople in their company and seeing the sales go through the roof as a result." I don't think it's succumbing at all. It's that if you're if you're a complicated product, if you're something that people are betting their business on, if mm-hmm. they have questions, they want somebody to help them. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, I see it totally. Like I don't think of it as succumbing. It's just like people. Are well, so so the thing is that that engineers do see it as succumbing. Right, it's 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 seductive to only have marketing, and it's seductive to not even have marketing. You know, it's seductive to only have like uh, an API, uh, an API, or at least you know, authentic getting the name out there. Which you know, don't give it that evil word, marketing. Marketing is something that marketers do, and marketers are, are wrong people in some way. Yeah, it's it. It makes me sad when I, I hear marketing scoffed at. Right, as something less. The same, same with sales. Like oh, if only we didn't need them. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like well, that's a really. How is somebody going to hear about your product? Right. How is somebody going to get to know how to use it? You see a lot of developers who are very good at marketing sometimes. So they have like they're really good at getting posts on Hacker News, or they're they're you know have a big Twitter following, or they're really good on the conference circuit, or, or something along those lines. And I find that they most of all do not like marketing. Despite the fact that they are amazing at marketing, they just don't have a word for for the thing. Yeah, and let me let me loop back. Good marketing and good sales ties back very closely to your product. Right, right, right. Like, because if you're building something, and this is why you have to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. like like originally, um, John, my co-founder, and I were working on another idea, and I'm like, I can't find anybody to use this. Right, right. They're like the only people who are using it are doing it because they're really good friends. Now imagine that you had spent a year. Building that, waiting for for it to come, uh, and it was just yeah. and so we we moved on to another idea. But I mean, we built marketing into the very beginning. It was yeah. something we took seriously in terms of can we get people to use this? Yeah. Is yeah. this interesting? Yeah, 
and that definitely informed our product. I think, I think where people run into trouble is they're like, well, I'll build the whole product and then I'll throw marketing on it. Yeah. Coming back to the start of this, we we have a very similar thing. Yeah, you know, we're we're going to build this and then we're going to throw fundraising on it. And then we're and then right. with the fund. Oh, this the saddest thing is. Um, oh no, I think I know where you're going with this. We'll raise money and then we'll hire marketing and sales to figure out how to sell and market it. Oh, even worse. Uh, like the little. Uh, we'll we'll raise money to get someone to build the product. No, 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 no. I've seen that so many times. No, oh, it hurts so much. <laughs> It's 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 like you know. Do, do, do you know anyone to outsource this to? And I'm like, no, no. no. And and actually, and the reason that, that I use to explain to people why they shouldn't outsource is continuous delivery. Right? Well, just, you, you need to iterate and validate so quickly that having a development cycle that involves like you know shipping it to India or Estonia or something like that, it's just too long of a of a product cycle. But I think you should also be continuously uh, iterating on your marketing message. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's yeah. what I meant. It's like, uh, okay, what marketing messages are resonating? Mm-hmm. What yeah. what features are people actually interested in? What benefits resonate? And feeding that back very quickly to the product. I would say that that at that stage that you're talking about, there isn't really a major difference between marketing and sales and product. Like it's it's all kind of going on in the founder's head. So the fact that there's not necessarily a Formal split of like the positioning that we're doing. You know, really, it's just like what we write on the website. Well, yeah, and I mean, what I see is that the killer is when people are like, "Oh, we'll go off and build this product, mm-hmm. and then leap out of stealth." Yeah, with our fully formed positioning yeah, and this yeah. huge launch that will hit everyone. It's like, yeah. no, you need to do those in parallel. You're right. You're right. You're right. They, they all they all absolutely need to be done in parallel. Like um, the positioning of launch darkly, to be honest, is very different than when we started. Okay. And um, well, what were you when you started? I, I recall that you speculated that bottom up would be your go to market. Oh, I mean, originally we were much more targeted at product managers. Okay. And then I was like, hey, I think product managers still love us, but the people who are really, we need to win over are developers. Oh, interesting. What that meant was just a lot of why we joined Heavybit mm-hmm. is because, okay, this is really something that developers like. So, as I understood it, you were selling a little bit top down. Originally, we wanted to sell bottoms up uh-huh. for all the reasons you just gave. Yeah. The conclusion we came to was that the developers are users and they love us. Mm-hmm. To use feature flagging is not something an individual developer can push through. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. So, so you're you're kind of doing a top-down sell to developers. Well, we're developers are users. Yeah. A director, a team lead, a CTO is our buyer. So, do people buy without talking to you? Some. Okay, and and you see that increasing. It's funny because I don't talk to everybody anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the sign of of uh, product market fit getting really strong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm totally serious. Like the you know the the first fifty or hundred customers, I, I knew all of them. You know, yeah, I I had phone calls where where I was like, you know, what what are you using? What aren't you using? How can I help? Like I, I was I was debugging people's builds over the phone. Yeah. And there came to a point, and I felt actually really bad about this. That you know, the, the people would come up to me and say, "Oh, I use Circle CI," and I wouldn't know who they were. Oh wow! I, and and obviously, right? I mean, Tim Cook doesn't know the name of like you know someone who buys their MacBook, right? You know, when, once you get anywhere near success, you have no idea the names of your customers. But at the start, you know everyone, and so like as you start to lose track of that, you. Are obviously on a good path and success, but like you know, it feels kind of shitty when someone walks up to you and you like it's you've never heard of them before. <laughs> so um, 
pre-product market fit. So when you're when you're this company that you know you, you've got you're looking for fundraising and or you, you know, you're looking to build a startup and you think you know, fundraising is on your path and and so you, you've 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 got people but there's no there's no team. You're not you're not Steve from Famous or something or the the Googlers or the Twitterers, and you've you've got an idea that you know, no one really invests on the idea. So all you've got to go by is traction, which you don't have yet, right? How do you go from from here to there? How do you how do you go from we've got a bit of a product we've got a couple of people that we talk to maybe or, or no customers and we want to we want to be a venture back startup? Yeah, well, there's actually a really good book called Traction. Okay, which I actually really enjoyed. I love um, that book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, the best advice I got out of it was like you iterate on your marketing just like you iterate on your product. So. I think there's much more of a of a product role to be done before then. Traction provides you, or Traction the book provides you a lot of methods of taking the customers that you have and you know, retaining them or growing them, and finding new customers. All of which can be used to help you validate you know, the existence of product market fit or the the path to product market fit or how much traction you're getting. But I think ultimately. The only thing that really gets you there is how quickly you can iterate on the feedback that you're given from those customers. Yeah, I agree and I disagree. I think you can follow into a trap of listening too hard to your very early customers. Sure, sure, sure. The, I, I, I guess I'm not being particularly clear on this. I think the road to product market fit is listen to your customers. It's not. It's not do exactly what they say. I, th- I think it's both listen to your customers and constantly be thinking about how can you get more customers. Like okay. if, if you have like so one of the saddest stories I heard. Well, I've heard many sad stories. Um, it was a friend from Alchemist, and he said we had two customers who loved us very much, mm-hmm. and we could not get any more. Wow. So I see all the shattered dreams. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've been out of. I keep in touch with my accelerator. I know yeah. all the people from the prior batches. It's like we had two customers who loved us. Couldn't expand beyond that. Wow, that's that's really tough. I mean, it's kind of the same as hitting hitting traction without going through product market fit. That like you've got this this false flag or the, the, this false sense of of security that that you've. You know, people love it. People people use it all the time, and actually, you're missing like the, this this key component that you should be worrying about, but that maybe you don't know that product market fit is your is your thing. Fortunately, with two people, they I mean, imagine imagine they had ten. Imagine they found the only pocket in the world of customers who needed that product, and then they like you know raise money and continued on for two years or something with like why can't we get more than 10 customers or 20 you know whatever yeah and i mean you could make a very profitable business if those are the right niche yeah yeah but if you're charging each of those two customers like $500 a month yeah and you can't make anybody else happy like you're you're in a hole the other thing to really watch out for is that you don't turn into a body shop mm yeah it's a consulting arm yeah cuz you can be making your customers wildly happy but you're actually doing that by being services, which is in a scalable business. So, looking at that via feature flags, like I know, I know a bunch of companies that have, you know, if customer ID is, you know, our our largest customer, do this, else do this. Yeah. Right. So I imagine that you can end up with a situation where feature flags are abused to to provide this. You know, this customer gets this feature, this customer gets this feature, and no one is using the same product. No one has the same product, uh, and everyone is kind of like customly built for. Well, first, thanks for mentioning feature flags, and uh, thanks for wearing your lunch darkly shirt today. 
Did we not do this already in this episode? No. Oh, that was, that was the last one. And I had to, I had to get it in because, like, <laughs> you're still wearing the shirt. Of course. I'll actually give a really nuanced answer to that one. I think that's fine if you're using feature flags to act as a license mechanism. Okay, that that's not what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, but I am thinking about how some people are using our product, and it's to enforce licenses where people are mm-hmm. kind of doing a choose your own adventure of different features. Okay. That's fine as long as it's some standardized bucket of features. Right. If it's truly that you're using feature flags as a substitute for branching, everybody has these one-off products. Mm-hmm. That's where you run into a lot of problems right. because then you're basically like any any tree. You have a lot of branches that you can't right. maintain. So uh, I think the the key there is sometimes you'll build those to get feedback. Right, you'll you'll build them to help validate, and you'll build it for. Like, I I remember hearing that Heroku had five different SSL implementations. Wow, why? At, I I guess there was different properties, and they were just like validating or iterating. And but there was customers on each on each of them, and I think they they were they were quite slow to prune. So if you've ever been to a heavy bit product discussion that features. Managers or PMs or longtime devs at Heroku, they'll always talk about sunsetting old features. Oh, yeah. That's like a major part of what they did because they, they weren't great at it at the start. And, and that came back to bite them. But if you have a feature flag that's like, you know, if customer A do this, if customer B do this, if customer C do this, that's that's often product debt, right? Yep. It, and it's it's you know, it's a mortgage you take while you're building it, and it's good if you pay it back. And well, it's bad if you if you forget to pay it back, or you don't have time to pay it back, or, the, or these you know you, you've repeatedly taking it, keep taking it, this kind of mortgage on on your product. And it's not even a product; it's that if you're building a product or a services company, if all these are mutually exclusive and cannot be combined back because you've built these four one-off mm. products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm saying it's fine if if it's. Not a body situation. If it's like if it's the validation towards towards building the features that you actually need, you know that's that's a great use of it. Yeah, I, th- I think we've gone deep into like product market fit, like uh, graduate course. We we skipped mm. over some of the beginner stuff. Like I think it is key for everybody to talk to potential customers as soon as possible. Okay, and figure out if anybody wants to use this. Yes. Yes. Um, one of the saddest stories I, I used to read. Um, so I was a moderator in the Lean Startup Group, so I read every single email it went through because it was a moderator. Mm. I built this product. How do I find users? Oh, yeah. I mean, you see this all the time. No, right? like, it's, it's a, yeah. I built this thing. Yeah. How do I find users? And I was just like, it's too late. Yeah. Like before you build it, think about how you're going to find users. Right. Like if it's like a. a so it, I don't think that necessarily has to be the way. I, so, so I think you need to build in your distribution while you're building your product. To, to quote Dave McClure, yes, if you are building a startup. Oh, I think even if you're so occasionally people build things for you know to scratch their own itches and you know to to play with particular technologies. That's fine. So you, right, right. But often you know you've been doing this for a while and then. Uh, and then you're like, well, you know, this is actually a nice piece of product, and a couple of people tell you, oh, I'd totally use that. And so that's when you come in, like, I've built this, and that, that, that's an acceptable way to get to I've built this, and and you know, how do I find users? Yeah, but I think that's very seductive then, because everybody then falls into that. Path. Right, everyone believes that it's that. I mean, yes, I, I think that that's why people end up there so often. That like, well, I'm building this for myself, and it's a sort of a lie to allow you procrastinate on the things that you don't like. Yeah, you know, I was talking to, um, gosh, I was talking to this guy who was really super early at Dropbox, um, Ash. Mm-hmm. And the way he talked about it is he coaches now people who are making music. Okay. 
And he coaches them the same. He's like, you need to think about distribution from the very beginning. Oh, interesting. Like, how are you going to get this music out into the world? And they're like, oh, I'm just making it for myself. He's like, well, and are they are they lying? Well, they're the ones who say that and everything about distribution. They yeah. always. But I mean, if they have if they have an advisor for their music career, then presumably, if if they're saying, oh, I'm just building it for myself, then they're lying. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. like to oh. themselves. Yeah, it's like okay. Well, yeah. are you? What's your? Are you going to go bottoms up? Are you going to go to all the clubs in your area? Are you going to yeah. go top down and go to American Idol? Yeah. But you need to think about a distribution strategy. It's it's interesting to look at all these different businesses that are that are completely disparate, but but that are, you know, fundamentally it's the same business, right? You're, you're the music business, the the movie business, the like they're they're all they're all the same thing at the end of the day, and you can presume that there's like an art behind it, but I mean it's the same it's the same art as it is to make software or to to make music or whatever, and you know the, 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 there's more than just the craft that that goes into it, and people have to if they want to take that craft and go big on it, or or go medium size on it, <laughs> or, you know, go go a little more than than something that that you build and performed at in the local parish hall or something, then then you need to think about this at the start, or you'll do better if you think about it at the start. Oh, the go to market is part of the product, right, right? Right. Like, and there's nothing wrong with going to all your local parish halls. We'd say church here, right? Sure, sure, sure. Like, I mean, there's been very successful singers who start off going right. to all the churches, then yeah. they go to the town halls, they get bigger and bigger, and bigger. But yeah. and and they get they get feedback from this. Yeah, and eventually they, I mean, I, I get. I'm guessing uh, I've no idea, but like Taylor Swift, possibly. I think she was country in the in the old days, and you know, got got big time via the sort of uh, disrupting a particular niche, and then and then pivoting that into a, a much larger audience. It was cool. So I was in Liverpool, and by the way, n- Liverpool is a weird place. I have no comments. So I was in Liverpool, and I was like, oh, I can go to where the the Beatles started out. Mm, okay, and. Uh, it is. You can go to Abbey Road. No, so the the Beatles start in Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, Abbey Road's not in Liverpool. Abbey Road's in London. Oh damn it! <laughs> but it's it's where they got their start, and mm-hmm. they played 150 concerts there. Oh, interesting. When they were just like the bar band. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's there's an interesting backstory to to the Beatles. So after after that, they went to Berlin or to Cologne right. or something like that. Uh Hanover. Hanover, right? No, Hamburg. Sorry. Hamburg, and they Hamburg. played like six or eight hours a night. Yeah, yeah. And Am it's I ruining a, your story? Oh, okay. this is this is the story you're trying to tell, and I'm ruining it. C- oh, continue, no, but, please. But you say it in a charming Irish accent, so like, I couldn't possibly. Uh, after you. Are we going to leave that long pause in? <laughs> I think we're also going to leave if you're talking about the long pause. Okay. Right. So, so they they spent they spent eight hours iterating on their product in in some nightclub in in Hanover. Hamburger. <laughs> it was Hamburg. Hamburg. Okay. All right. Yeah, but I mean, um, I, I think now people think that musicians are overnight successes, but the the reason why they got so good is they yeah. they had. They were validating all their music. Yeah, they, they're an overnight success in the way that Twitter was. Yeah, they'd validated their idea. They'd worked yeah. on it. They'd honed it. They practiced they, they, it. They got a lot of early adopters to really love it and to to talk about it to the next wave of early adopters. And then eventually they crossed the chasm. Well, the crossing the chasm was going on the Ed Sullivan show in the states. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. And everybody's like, that yeah. was one of those. It's most- an overnight success so long as you've gotten on the on the Ed Sullivan show. 
yeah, it's it's like um, it's uh, the reason why they were so good when they came to America is they've been doing that. Yeah, yeah, for for years. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny the same about No Doubt. Like they kind of I don't know if they had No Doubt in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Also electricity. Wow. Yeah. Cool. We have mobile phones. Even the cows have them. Really? How about all those sheep I saw? No, we we don't give phones to the sheep. Obviously. Rams too expensive. <laughs> okay, apart from sheep puns, what, what is your point? I don't want to pull the wool over your eyes. <laughs> I think it'll behove us. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Um, I'm very bad at this. I'm trying to make a pun with the word you, and I can't get anywhere. You can go on. Oh. What were we even talking about before the Beatles? Product market. It was product market fit. I'm sorry. I'm such a bad punter. <laughs> oh, Paul, you're. Not- <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you got any more? I, I can- yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm. This is sheer insanity for you, but like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, be a be a lamb and go on. Okay. Yeah. So 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 if you're not thinking about your distribution strategy, it's okay. Kind of if you're thinking about it, if you're just building this for yourself. But almost nobody is just building it for for themselves. Well, I, I think you said interest something interesting. I mean, occasionally you do have a vanity project, mm-hmm. something you are building yeah. for yourself. Like I have a blog that I write about running. Yeah. I actually don't really want a lot of people to read it. Yeah. But I'm very clear on that. Like this is. So what, what's this blog's URL? <laughs> where, where can we read about it? You know, Edith runs ultra marathons. Yeah, I, so I write up my race reports, and it's really for me to keep track of my races. Okay. And I'll share them with a couple running friends. If like they ask about a course, I'm like, here's what the course is like. Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't okay. really want a lot of people reading this. Okay, that's very different than. So the, we'll just put the URL in the show notes. <laughs> that's very different than the blog we have for Launch Darkly, where right. our content is part of our strategy. Yeah, we want to be seen as the feature flag leader. So we'd put a lot of effort into writing good content, good I th- infographics. I think there is a uh, a strong overlap between having a, a good distribution model and having a distribution model that you love. So in in the same way that like lo- loving your product is is really valuable, loving your distribution model is is valuable too. That's interesting. So that's that that's advice they give to the the younger startups. Is I, I say it's very important that you love your co-founder and you love your product because. Mm-hmm. Stuff's gonna get really ugly. Right. But you have to you have to love your go to market. So if if you're a founder who is, you know, quite introverted, or well, that's probably not a good example because even introverts can be good salespeople. But like if, if you don't like sales, there, there's a subset of startups that you should not build. Anything that, that involves top down, anything that involves like large enterprise sales. you you should not build that that company if you're completely allergic to sales. Yeah, and I, I think vice versa. If you're a salesperson and you get juiced on talking to people and being mm-hmm. an extrovert, a bottoms-up SaaS self-serve yes. business will make you miserable. Yeah, yeah. It just works. There's nothing for me to do. Yeah, I don't. Oh. I, I I like talking to people. Yeah, and similar similar in the in the consumer versus B two B thing. One of the major pieces of advice I give to small-time founders is: Are you really sure you want to build that consumer business? So. Often this applies to to social networks that people are building. You know, it, it's like Twitter or it, it's like Facebook, but with something else. And it's got it's got something that that sounds may, maybe it's interesting, right? And Twitter was 
like Facebook but something else, and Instagram was like Facebook but but something else. So it's and it's clear Facebook that Facebook was like MySpace but Facebook. Right, right. So it's it's clear that it is definitely possible that this thing succeeds. But it's so difficult to build a social network, or you know, vast majority of, of consumer, especially freemium consumer products, they're so difficult to build that, like, wouldn't it be nice to just go build a nice B two B product, and you'll get validation by by people giving you money. It's and interesting. You'll know just that the thing is going to be successful because you talk to ten people and they all give you money and they all need it, and it's like. Doesn't that look a lot more fun than building a social network that you need to launch and get millions of users to even raise a seed round on? Yeah, I mean the bar is definitely raised for social networks. Like um, I, I heard anecdotally that somebody was trying to raise, and like VC said, come back when you have twenty million. Twenty million. Yeah. Wow. So the the bar is being raised on SaaS. So the the numbers that I heard recently for Series A was a quarter of a million MRR to raise a Series A. Now this isn't everyone, and I, I see your your eyes raising there. But when when we raised our Series A, it was it was seventy k MRR, it was or seventy eighty k. We were in that in that range. That was what you needed to raise a good Series A. Now, you know, anecdotally, I hear I hear it's a quarter of a million. And the implication there is that there's a ton of companies that have gotten to seventy k, and there's an order of magnitude more companies that are at seventy k MRR. That only the really good ones are going for the limited amount of capital available. Yeah, and I think that ties back to what you said about to to, to wrap back to the beginning. The the entrepreneurs that you meet with at Collision at these conferences mm-hmm. are the people that want to get seed. Right, right. They're they're before they're going for the the it's before any any revenue really. Yeah, and I think the. And it crosses over. So Scott was who was our guest recently. He he said like basically, get developers first, worry about revenue later. V- VCs have a habit of talking their own book, and you know build you know get, get developer traction, build uh, or you know get money later is is something that you can do if you're doing a VC backed business. I that I think the I think eventually the music stops. Like there's a, a company that we yeah. were friends with where they were pursuing that model. And the music kind of stopped. Where it was like, yep. okay, you have all this developer traction, but where's the money? Right, right, right. right. And they couldn't get it. Be yeah. And it- if you're building for the sort of moving VC goalposts, yeah. Some yeah. Sometimes the music. Move. Sometimes the music stops. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've with with my own company with Launch Darkly, we've tried to make money from day one because mm-hmm. in my mind, making money never goes out of fashion. Right, right. So I think even if your validation is a lot of users, I think that's still validation. It it is validation, but it's it's validation which it's safe to build a company around the many users validation, knowing that you can, knowing that you can monetize it later. But you've still validated to get there. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't think necessarily one is right and the other is wrong. Yeah. I agree with you that have some point of validation that you're steering towards. Yeah, and the validation can't be our product is awesome and people will find it. Yeah. There's that that saying from Y Combinator: "Make something that people want." Right? It's not make something that people will pay for. Yeah, I, I think it's make something that people want, and that you have a way of telling them about it. Um, like that you have some sort of channel. It doesn't fit as nicely on a T-shirt, and it's not quite as pithy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of implicit in the in the thing. No. Well, I mean, in, in in the YC thing, they 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 talk a lot about it. make something people want, and people will will 
you know, find it. And it's not quite true that people will find it, but it's if you make something people want, if you have product market fit, you'll find growth to be dramatically, dramatically easier than if you don't. Yeah, so I, I, I think you need to have both sides. I think mm-hmm. where the saying make something people want falls short mm-hmm. is people think, oh, I made something people want. Sure, sure. I so, see that. So I don't have to care about SEO, I don't have to care about salespeople, I don't have to care about banner ads, I don't have to care about anything. Because, yeah, well, you people, just have to send an email to a mailing list saying, how do I find users? Yeah. And it's like if you've never iterated on that, no. what you think people want might not be actually be what. So do you think YC want. should iterate on make something people want? Oh, I don't. I don't dream of giving YC advice. I mean, they're they're quite successful without uh, my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Is is that is that everything from our masterclass on on pre seed round validation and traction and product market fit? I, I think I'd I'd like to touch back on something you said that. Um, if you're truly doing something as a passion product for yourself, mm-hmm. none of this matters. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But be very honest about that. If it's truly just, I am doing this because I like doing this, yeah. just, just do it. If you're doing it because you like doing it, but you secretly dream of you know the time that's going to be number one on Hacker News and the you know the the millions of dollars that you're going to get that are going to let you retire in a couple of years, then I think you need to be honest with yourself that you're not doing it for yourself. Yeah, that you're not just doing it for you're not just building it for yourself. Yeah, either either you are the customer, yeah. and then just do what makes you happy, or say, okay, I really want this app to be very successful and yeah. pay for my kids' college education yeah. and make me on the cover of Fortune. Yeah, and that's a different strategy, and yeah. that involves validating. And often, often there's uh, most people are doing a little bit of both, but it's comfortable not to validate. It's comfortable to just keep building or, or doing whatever the thing is that you're good at. It's it's very comfortable. Yeah, that's, if that's writing code and you know talking to humans or you know posting fake landing pages to determine AdWord um, you know responsiveness. It's not as fun as as the thing you like to do, and so you, you kind of delude yourself for for a bit longer. Yeah, it's fascinating to me to see the structures of early stage companies. Mm-hmm. Like I talked to somebody else who had a, it was like a seven person company, and they had a salesperson, two salesperson, and a sales ops person. Wow. Well, they were a sales company. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were yeah, selling yeah. sales, and they're like, "Well, of course we need this." Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. I'm sure they were looking at our company and be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Where's your sales op person? I'm right. like, ah, oh, we're, we're not a sales driven company. We're an engineering driven company. Yeah, yeah I, I think people fall back on what they know and like. Mm-hmm. So if you're a sales company, you'll go out and make a lot of sales. Do you think they should um, teach validation as, or maybe kind of like product techniques as part of software engineering uh, boot camps and computer science courses and all this jazz? Gosh. You mean like talking to people as a class? The, the j- just how you validate that that the engineering that you're doing is useful. I think we talked about it in such an abstract way in this episode that I think that would actually be a whole other thing. Just how do you actually validate? Like we talked about it as this generic thing. True, true. Maybe next week we can talk about product management. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Thanks for uh, putting up with all my sheep puns. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Baker of CircleCI, and Edith Harbaugh of LaunchDarkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. 